0: We're talking about an epidemic of young men who supposedly have everything they need to go off and be successful and be functional people, and they're not in droves. I mean, it's, it's pretty overwhelming when you look at young men who have no direction. The notion of what it means to be a man is, I think, in a chaotic state. We need a language to talk to young men about how to identify themselves, their drives, and what they want to do.
1: Welcome. I'm your host, Nicholas Strauss, and you're listening to the Participant Observer, a space where you become aware, a place where you are the Participant Observer. I am sitting with Vince Benevento, Joel Singer, and John Lieberman. Vince, you are the director of Causeway Collaborative, and I am very interested in what it is that you do.
2: The vision for Causeway was that, you know, there was a separate space and a separate opportunity really to work specifically with young men. And young men are around the transitions that they'll make educationally and from a career perspective in their lives. So we've really focused on the slice of 17 to 25 in terms of the transition from high school to college or from high school to the world of employment and then from college to the sort of entry-level, you know, career-based path. But really, the work that we do is kind of a combination of recovery work, counseling, career development, uh, with a common thread of working specifically with young men. And, and, you know, a lot of those guys are men who are redirecting or, you know, experiencing some bumps in the road and are looking to kind of get back on the right path.
3: The mission of Causeway in a variety of different ways, you know, speaks to overcoming this narrative for these young people. 37% of people are going to graduate college and have a negative net worth, and I am one of those lucky people. Uh, <laughs> Me too. But there's, there's more to it than just, you know, I graduated school. Great. We can all applaud that. But then the next piece is, you know, finding a job. And you look at the Pew Center. They released some documentation a little while back stating that 40% of young men who graduate from college are living at home with their parents. And that's 40% of people with a normal trajectory. So we're catering to them. Uh, We're also catering to, you know, individuals who don't have that normal trajectory. So, you know, Futures is not simply for someone who maybe failed in school and is struggling, but we also work with the people that are part of that, that statistic that graduate school in four years and happen to be living at home with their parents without a job. You know, when these young men come into our office, they're just not being who they're destined to be and we see young men who maybe have a gap in they graduated from a business school a prestigious business school they can't get into their field because there's just maybe there's no jobs they don't know where to look they don't know how to get there and you know with that they lack the confidence they lack the motivation to find a job so when they come to us it's not only the motivating factor but it's also building the passion and understanding who they are and why they are credible and eligible to not only pursue their career, but also be the individual that they're destined to be. So you've got to win their trust. A hundred percent.
2: I think it's passion. And it's connection to something that a young man could get his hooks into and really start building something around. So, you know, when I think back to my own personal experiences and, and you know, what was essentially a lot of the motivation for this as a concept was that I was a guy in my early 20s who was floundering for a lot of different reasons. And it really wasn't until... A, I cleaned my act up, but but B, until I connected to what essentially became my life's work, that I found that thing that would be such a motivator for me to be a better and different version of myself.
1: Meaning and purpose.
2: Meaning and purpose. And I think such a big piece of the future's work and the future's counseling that we're doing with young men is, you know, through clarification exercise through survey, through self-assessment, through dialogue, through working activity, we're clarifying and assisting in clarifying for these men what are those paths of interest and and what are those perspective matches for passion. Because I believe that when a young man aligns with that, great things happen and and doors of opportunity for the future open for these guys.
1: Yep. I've seen that too. I mean it sounds wonderful and it is wonderful. It really, really transforms people.
0: I think a way that we all agree, even though we have our different styles and approaches, is that we see and we can hold who that person is capable of becoming. And we'll hold that until they can hold it themselves. So kid comes in, just got arrested. Parents are beside themselves. They don't know what to do. It couldn't be much more bleak than that. Right. But it's even in that moment where we see an accessibility, an openness, because it has now gotten so out of control that we can't help but take this opportunity to take a look at how it got to this point and how we can make real changes. We believe everybody has a purpose. We believe everyone has some kind of innate gift that they're meant to or when able to or when given the right support they can identify it and they can go be it and the reason why we see that as important to focus on with young men and i think joel can talk about you know some of the stats and and Vinny can talk a lot about his experience joe as well in terms of why addiction is a part of it but we're talking about an epidemic of young men who supposedly have everything they need to go off and be successful and be functional people, and they're not, in droves. I mean, it, it's it's pretty overwhelming when you look at young men who have no direction. So
1: are we faced with a crisis of redefining what a man is today?
0: I think that is absolutely, absolutely what we're talking about. Masculinity is... And again, there's an opportunity here, but it is in flux. The notion of what it means to be a man is, I think, in a chaotic state. Right. You know, we're not sure. In general, you know, I think as a sort of collective, we don't know. And we just try to create the dialogue for individual young men on their own to draw their own conclusions. And I think that's why it, I think organically, it evolved into – Let's talk about how a young man can plan his life, and then let's talk about whether or not some counseling, some clinical interventions are necessary, and then let's talk about how addiction informs a young man's process. So the fact that it moved in these channels speaks to why we need a language to talk to young men about how to identify themselves, their drives, and what they want to do. Right.
1: Right. You've mentioned addiction and and drugs several times. What is actually happening out there right now?
4: I would probably say the three areas, you know, in substance abuse with young adults is number one, binge drinking. Number two, marijuana dependence and availability and quantity and amounts and all the potency and all those things. And then three, the opiate epidemic. Especially in the, you know, affluent, you know, areas like lower Fairfield County, we have young men and women overdosing on heroin, you know, a rate we never would have predicted 10 years ago. So those are probably the three biggest topics of conversation right now, you know, marijuana, binge drinking, and and opiates.
1: I'm going to guess that one of the places that you have to intervene is with peer influence much farther outside of Causeway Collaborative than just in the rooms that you're in at that moment.
0: That's right. And I, I think that's where Joe, Vince, and Joel actually have gone out Uh, in in different capacities to schools to try to reach larger audiences to speak to what is a universal experience for these kids. Every single one of them is affected in one way or another. So there's a curriculum that uh, is used to present in mass because I, I think that that's a way where the entire peer group can hear the same message. Individually, it's treated as it's a lifestyle issue. If you're hanging out with kids that do drugs, you're that much likelier to do them. I'm working with a young man now, and he had this realization when his friends were getting high on marijuana, and he didn't want to, he was, he was getting high as well, he just didn't want to get as high. He said, no, thank you. And he asked his friend, he said, are we going to do anything else? And his friend said, well, this is all we do. Hmm. And he, he had that realization of, that's why these guys are my friends. Because they all want to get high and I want to get high. right? And that is, that's what what binds us. Yeah. And that realization, that consciousness, that alone was very impactful for him.
1: Very impactful. I mean, because he's talking about sharing. He's talking about bonding. He's talking about communicating, which are incredibly powerful, important experiences we have to create. If we don't have them, we're, we're going to be even more dysfunctional. So he found them but he found them over an activity that obviously was causing him problems so how do you replace that how do you offer something instead how does how does something else become equally as powerful to bond
4: over well i think there's two distinct groups within you know young men and uh, specifically who are struggling with substance abuse and use the guys who are eligible and probably appropriate for an abstinence based approach which is then much easier to kind of plug them into an alternative or a replacement, so to speak. And my message to those guys and the reality is really drugs and alcohol at that moment are not necessarily their problem. You know, drugs and alcohol have become their solution to a bigger issue. And it's another issue of self-medication, which is a whole other conversation in itself. But for those abstinence guys, my goal and my mission is to plug them into a recovery community where they can find peers their age who are recovering and doing the thing in in 12-step programming and working the steps and have a sponsor and all those things. So the abstinence-based route guys are a little bit more clear cut um, and there are, you know, pretty distinct avenues for them to go and replace those bonding activities then move from passing around the bong to going to a 12-step meeting and sharing with their peers and going out to dinner afterwards, or going to a concert sober with other members of the community. Um, The gray area and the more difficult part, and probably the bulk of my work, is working with guys who are nowhere near being ready to be entirely abstinent. And maybe that's not even something that's entirely necessary. I mean, when I have a guy who is somewhat functioning in school floundering a little bit you know but nothing's really falling apart but as marijuana dependent i'm not going to be able to convince that kid to be abstinent and that's a battle that i'm never going to win
1: you're being realistic you're accepting what's going on here and you're working with his defenses you're not trying to break apart his entire world and leave him without any defenses whatsoever you're trying to be realistic about what he's going through
4: Mm -hmm. and that's kind of the niche we have is being young guys ourselves And not being that far removed from having those same hurdles to jump over, we can share our experience with them. And bulk of my work is motivational interviewing to hopefully get that guy to answer a question where he has that aha moment. And maybe there is a chance for some moderation management. And maybe he is able to right the ship in a non-traditional way. And he enjoys coming in and seeing me every week instead of mom and dad having to enforce it or take away a cell phone just so we can come in and sit in a chair and lie to me for an hour. I don't want that. And I think there's there's other ways to, to go about it instead of just, you know, sitting in a room one-on-one. And I do a lot of community-based work um, and recreation. I have a much better conversation shooting around the basketball than I do staring across the room from a kid trying to pull the truth out of them. Right. I'm not going to be very successful in doing so. So there are there are other ways, yeah.
2: You know, I think so many of the guys that come to us are stuck and that's – either stuck in bad patterns or you know stuck in for them what feels like a space that's insurmountable or you know just stuck in a place of sort of emotional low or deflated ego or you know whatever the case may be and so you know i think the the antidote for that that we've Developed is to get these guys to move, you know, and to get these guys to do because so many of these guys are opting out of doing and executing and developing a plan and then executing that plan, you know. So the work becomes, uh, at least on the kind of the future side, you know, becomes less about reflection and less about dialogue and more about. Task development and task execution. You know, so you take a guy who's resistant to a therapeutic dialogue and you bring him into an hour, and over the course of that hour, you move forward with this kid. And you start at point A and you move to point B. And then over the arc of however many times you get together, you know, you end up in an entirely different space. So that has been a really sort of effective method to get resistant kids involved in a beneficial therapeutic process that is different than what they've done before and something that they can receive a little bit better because the future's work can be a catalyst for the really meaningful counseling stuff that lies beneath the surface. We may have a tendency to work with kids that are uh, experiencing difficulties in some type of way, be it, you know, substance focused or educationally speaking, you know, have come to some kind of uh, fork in the road, so to speak. But we have worked with kids and are actively working with kids from Ivy League schools at Northwestern at places like MIT and, you know, kids who really see the purpose in exploring the values based discussion around what they want for themselves out of life short term and long term and you know getting a better understanding of of who they are and how they can best apply their abundant skills and talents and really what the return on that is you know as they invest their time energy money you know in different kinds of ways and they yield different outcomes
1: it sounds like you're helping people who aren't quite Focused, get in focus and be sharp.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and you know wherever somebody is on their journey, you know all of us. You know I think anyone can be more efficient, more focused, more clear, uh, more purposeful, and more driven. So wherever somebody is, you know it's it's a matter of self improvement and sort of elevating them to a better and more effective place.
1: That's a great attitude. Very motivating. Nice. So you're, you're also providing some some mentoring here. I mean, it yeah. sounds like you are walking alongside someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It certainly does provide a real connection.
3: And depending upon the individual, we're even with them, taking them to apply to jobs. We'll drop them off. They'll have a list of places that they're going to walk into. Right. We already did the cold calls. We got the manager's names. They know who they're going to contact. We went through talking points, et cetera, and they're ready to go. But they need that extra step. And they need to be shown the door to get there.
1: Okay. How many of these guys feel comfortable accepting so much help? I mean, you're talking about handholding. And, you know, we were also talking about what it means to be a man before. And I work with a lot of young men who they don't like to ask for help. And you guys are out there really, really supporting them in mm-hmm. such a major way that they can depend on you. Yeah. That must make them feel a little infantile sometimes. Do they resist this?
2: The anecdotal stat that I throw out to people is that 95% of the clients who come in don't wanna be there upfront. And everybody who comes in, we will sit down with and have this kind of conversation about, do you wanna be here? Is this a process that you can get yourself around? This is, you know, Joe, Joel, Vince, or, or John, and, and this is what I do, this is my deal, and does that align with you? You know, so I, I think we up front really try to present it to a guy in a way that they can wrap their head around. You know, and I think there are some guys who are skeptical and who don't wanna have their hand held in that way or don't feel like they can benefit from that kind of a support. But I think when we are able to have a young man commit to coming back for that first sort of true hour of of what the experience is going to be like. Very few guys don't come back after that. So, you know, I think is the biggest barrier is the upfront willingness to align in that process. Right. Once we can get the ball rolling with the kid, I think it, you know, we we do pretty well in that way. Yeah,
0: and I think what we're actively doing is pushing against this notion that the kid might be feeling that his parents just think he's the problem and just, I'm going to bring him here and you're going to fix him. We invert that process by speaking to the young man, knowing that he has answers. He's not the cause of the problem that's going on in the family dynamic at all. We get right in front of that. And we know that this young man has insights and has an understanding. And that's where we start. So from the space that we've designed, from the way that we treat each other and our our just our connection to the vision of causeway it all lends itself to we're going to figure this out and to your point about resistance i think and and let's connect that to masculinity because I think these are young men who think they're not supposed to want a connection right, and that is something that we're experiencing in real time hmm. working together. Hmm. I mean, we, we, it's been a year that the four of us have been uh, working at this clip. And I think that's another thing that is observed by the kids who walk in and out of the building. And so that's what I think indirectly we're challenging by speaking to them as, look, this happens. Right. There's, there's no perfect trajectory. And in fact, when you, when you take these hangups, when you take even these crises – we're like we run to the fire we're not going to run away that's where the answers are that's where the solutions are that's where the insight is and that's where we're going that's how we can iron out the wrinkles you know untie the knots and get things to an even better imagined place than, than before
1: well guys i want to thank you so much for talking with me i mean the work you're doing is so powerful you're helping so many people vince joel john thank you very much for talking with me today
2: Thank you. Thank thank you so much. Thanks for everything.
1: This is Nicholas Strauss. I've enjoyed having you with us today. If you'd like to participate some more, please visit us on the web at www.theparticipantobserver.com where you'll find all things related to the Participant Observer. We'd love to hear from you because you are the Participant Observer.